On today's episode of Gathering the Kings. That's all pretty standard stuff to me. There isn't just one I would love to track. I guess I think that it would probably be happiness. Okay. If it was, you know, like an, an abstract happiness, especially amongst sure. my employees, because I, I find that I'm, uh, I'm often the mediator when problems come up. And so if I could track that as a, as a number, that would, man, that would help me tremendously. Yeah. <laughs> You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up everybody? Chaz Wolf gathering the kings. I've got Ian. Ian, say your last name for me, dude. It's Yearsley with a Y. Yearsly. Okay. So that, that I'm, I'm glad you did that because of, of course names are important, but I don't know if I would have said it just like that. You probably had it butchered over the years, I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Yearsly all the time with an E. Right. There you go. Okay. So we got, we got uh, Mr. Yearsly with a Y Ian on the show, dude. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Excited to, to get with you and, and tell my story. Dude. Yeah, man. What kind of business are you in? So I own a heating and air uh, contracting business here in uh, Bandan, North Dakota. We primarily focus on residential uh, and a little bit of commercial here and there. And, and uh, that's, that's about the gist of it. We're starting to get into some industrial, but uh, yeah. for now, mostly new construction. So Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you couldn't hear it in his, in his uh, accent, uh, the North Dakota uh, accent yeah. <laughs> that, that we, the rest of the country knows, but it, it seems like that's a, that's a great area for growth. I mean, there's been a lot of things over the years uh, with the pipeline and stuff. Have you, have you been able to experience growth because of that or is it a different part of the state where you're at? Yeah. So we originally started out this business in uh, Wilson, North Dakota. So that's actually up uh, directly in the oil field. And so we were doing a lot of, uh, a lot of the residential builds up there as things were, were kind of popping off. We were doing, you know, 60, you know, 50, 60 homes a year. Um, and then doing some, doing some industrial uh, oil field type stuff for the dog houses and ventilation and things like that. So actually, yeah, um, that's, that's how it actually started. So. Very cool. And so I know just from our, our talks off air that, that that was the case, but then obviously that you've expanded beyond that. And so you said you, residential is your primary, but you're getting into commercial and industrial. And so at this stage, my first question, uh, always the same, because at this, at this level, you know, the seven figure and above level, you know, all the, all the listeners are thinking, well, dudes made it, right? Like the, the, the elusive <laughs> seven figures, right? the million dollar mark. But you're still pushing. You said we're getting into we're getting into industrial. That, that's like something that's a new initiative. Like you're pressing into something new even at this level. So my question is this: Why? Like why are you driven yet even at this moment to keep pushing? For me, I guess it's uh, it's a combination of just pure drive, really, of wanting to keep growing the business and automate a lot of the processes. And so for for me, that's that's hiring the right people and putting them in the right spots. And so in order to in order to get to that next level, I have to. I have to keep pushing forward really. And so 
pushing forward is, is pretty much the biggest driving really it's not about the money or anything like that it's, it's just more of a personal achievement thing like i can yeah. i can keep going that you know the sky is the limit for me totally does that stem do you think personally like um you know from sports growing up or was there an achievement thing in your house or like where does that like drive for more come from you think so a lot of it comes from uh i come from a family of entrepreneurs actually and so it my grandfather immigrated from Iran in the seventies, uh, wow. when the shop, when the shop fell actually. Um, and he became here with $300 to his name and started a, a real estate uh, company that he still runs to this day. My dad entrepreneur as well, and my mother as well. And so from a very young age, I had a lot of uh, good role models to look up to as far as, uh, it goes in, in business, you know, the business side of things. Yeah. And, and so obviously that's like a, uh, that's like a huge advantage point really to be able to be raised up. Like I think of my kids, like my kids are going to be raised up in in an area of my mindset, right? Of entrepreneurialism, right. trends of income, like pushing hard. And so, do you think that that impacted you wanting to to be in business, or do you, did you think a certain way because of grandpa and, and and dad, or like how did that flow from the beginning for you? So, I didn't really know that I was going to be an entrepreneur growing up. But my first business, uh, I was nine years old, and I wow. lived in Saint George, Utah. And the original housing boom down there. And so I started washing cars, started going door to door washing cars. My mom helped me set up the LLC and, uh, and wow, like this is a legit LLC and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And we're paying the taxes and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was the original moment for me where I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur, but I I had already started my very first business. Yeah. That was in your blood almost. (laughs) Yeah. It's encoded in the DNA for sure. That's right. Dude, you got you to tell me more because every kid has the side hustle. Like I can think of a few that I had and a few that I ran as an actual business, but but car washing, you just went like in neighborhoods, door to door. Hey, can I wash your car? Is that? Yeah. And we drop off the brochures, you know, we get the little rubber band on there and hang it on their door if they, they don't answer. And, and we got calls back and we were actually running around. We were making okay money for eight-year-olds. So, uh, you know, that was okay. Yeah. Dude, I mean, you were going really door the, to door really on your own at eight years old. Yeah. Well, me and a couple of the other kids, the other neighborhood kids. Yeah, that was the original, you know, my original sales position. And, and uh, as time went on, we, we moved around a lot as kids. As time moved on, you know, we landed in North Dakota and uh, uh, eventually I got myself a, a sales job and, and it was selling electronics, actually. And um, I took that department. It was appliances. I took the department from dead last to first in less than a year. And so the salesman in me actually really kicked in there and really shined there. And so I guess that would be, yeah. you know, kind of my second sort of intrapreneur uh, yeah. opportunity, as they call it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I know you're 100% right on that with sales. It's the closest thing you can get to entrepreneurialism without having to be the guy, right? Like you just, if you can get good at sales, you can pretty much run a business. There's obviously other things, but for you, was sales like if you hadn't have had that sales experience, would business be different today for you, you think? I think it, it might be the same because I find that um, though we call it sales, I, I don't find myself ever selling anything. And so I, I can I can sit down and and have a conversation with somebody, and and it's more about finding solutions uh, and ones that are comfortable for the customer. Yeah. Um, so really, to me, could I have done it without it? Yeah, it probably would have taken me longer for sure. You yeah. know, the the biggest thing that I think that would be the driving factor behind this business is a persistence was continuing uh, contractors they they have a tendency to want to trust the guy that they've always known and so they the persistence especially in a small town like this and so you have you have these big 20 you know 30 year old contract uh, 30 year 
long contractors who've always done business with all the land developers and the builders. And so the persistence and the consistency of making those phone calls and knocking on those doors and, and even getting down to the ads, making sure that stuff's getting targeted, right. And all kind of comes together. And so, yes, I could have done it without the sales, but <laughs> sure made it easier. That's gasoline sure. on the fire. sounds like. Yes. yes yeah. Cause I mean, sure. the, the six figure guy listening right now, like they've got to get good at sales, whether, like you said, whether, whether you had a sales background or not, the, the sales process or the customer journey in the business, like you can't get to seven figures without more sales. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> it, it, that is the answer, you know? So um, I, I love that perspective that it just, you know, it's not necessary. You don't have to be the sales guru or the, the, the huge sales background, but I love how you even, how you position sales, even it's servitude. It's how can I match your need with my product? And it's a good yes. scenario for both of us. Yeah. And I think if you have an ethical perspective on sales like that, then then it, it comes easy. It's not a big deal. It's just a conversation, right? It does. It's a natural thing. Right. Right. Totally. Okay. Well, so we've jumped into your history a little bit. I, I'd love to know um, if there's any stories from like growing up with a dad and a, and a grandpa as uh, entrepreneur or as entrepreneurs. And still today, it sounds like, is there a story that sticks out in your brain of like, oh man, I remember when, boom. And, and it was just kind of a fun inside of a business as a kid story that maybe that maybe you know shaped how you do business today well i guess a lot of it my dad was always a busy guy a lot of it a lot of that stuff came from my, my mom and so as as kids we actually had you know we were we were always always in the office we had a play in the office we weren't at at first grade or whatever second grade or, or whatever it was we were always in the office so it, there was never really i guess a, a shining moment in my mind because i got to see it every day i i, I got yeah. to help put the stamps on the envelopes and send them out you know i got to help with uh, organizing the papers, you know, running around. And so like the organization of a business actually really always came kind of easy as far as, as, as far as the structure, you know, seeing the structure of things. So it wasn't really yeah. a shining moment, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of just, this is, this is the way life is. And right, so do you right. find yourself wanting to operate in that same way where basically kind of like life and business come together or because life and business were so together as a kid, do you find yourself separating business from personal or like, how does that work for you? So I've learned that over the last five years, actually, is, is um, I sometimes have a tendency to to mix the two too much. And so uh, entrepreneur burnout's a real thing. You can actually go oh, yeah. too hard. And so when you're doing 16, 18 hour days for, for, you know, six or eight months, you'll hit a wall eventually. And I did. I did hit the wall two years into the business. And that that does happen. So I've learned over time to actually just split those two, you got to have your rest days too. You can't just be going hundred percent all the time. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good thing to be obsessed with something at the very beginning, especially when you're getting off the ground like that. You, you got to be all in. Otherwise it's, it's just a side last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they say that by year five, what 50% of businesses fail. And so we're just getting over that crest by, by having that obsession uh, by having that that straight drive to just keep being successful and keep building, even when you hit the failures, even right. when you're losing money, even when you're eating ramen noodles, That's you right. know, uh, you got to keep going. Yeah. And so for you in that moment, I think that, that we're on, obviously on some really just like authentic stuff that we all deal with, right? Like you said, burnout's real. Um, we were just, in fact, I had a guest speaker uh, for some of my clients come in just last week. He was talking about peak performance and, you know, rest time and uh, essential work time. And basically when you operate best, even the, the three, four five hour, like peak where you like can get like five times the work and, and to not try to work yes. that hard outside of those hours. And anyway, it was just really, really strategic. But to your point, 
as an entrepreneur who's growing, like you just, sometimes you just got to do what it takes. And so for you, what was that balance? You said two years, but like, what was that moment of like, I filled my cup so darn full to where eventually you ran into that wall, but then you were able to navigate through that. Like, was it a time frame? Was it something that you did in that moment that helped you realize like, what, what, what did that look like? The biggest moment there was uh, we were still out in the oil field and we were still, we were doing three, you know, three, four days at a time, 16, 17 hour days, we'd drive home and COVID came along that smacked us in the face. And that really, that really showed us that our, our foundation was made of sand. Actually, Interesting. we didn't have us, you know, we didn't have a strong foundation with our contractors and stuff. And so overnight when COVID hit, we went from 50, 60 homes and all that industrial work to nothing. It took four days, four days total, actually, from having all that work to zero. And yeah. so I actually have gone to zero way inside of this business before, but I had along the way been calling um, contractors in Bismarck because we wanted to bring it home that whole time. You know, it's it, it's good money in the oil field, but we'd wanted to bring it home. And so when that happened, um, we had a stroke of luck that the contractor here, after I called him every month for a year, let us have some of his work. And so uh, uh, that summer, even even with the COVID going on, you know, HVAC is essential. That's right. So they let us have they let us have uh, jobs on sub. So we didn't get the material in the beginning, but we were able to keep things afloat and keep yeah. things uh, keep working going and and found out that all the work that I had done previously had finally panned out and and just in the nick of time for sure. Yeah. Isn't it funny you said you uh, by a stroke of luck or that it that panned out in the nick of time. But isn't that how business is? Like you were doing the work before. I know you just said that, but you were doing the work before. And yeah. and seeds yeah. come up at different times, right? The harvest, right. if you will. And so that's why number one, we go back to sales because like you got to keep the pipeline full always. It doesn't matter how good it is or how bad it is. You should be calling on somebody new, <laughs> period, right? Because yeah. <laughs> you never know when the seeds are going to come up or when they're going to dry up when the drought comes. And so the stroke of luck really wasn't a stroke of luck, it sounds like. It was previously a seed planted that just happened to work out at the right time. But because of that, like, did you have a mindset shift? It sounds like because you were talking about the shifting sand, like, what did you do in that moment of going like, okay, crap, like we're going to, we're, we're holding on here, but like, what did you do in that moment differently than to now then, you know, skyrocket to where you are as far as systems or is it mindset or like, what, what was the, what was the difference this time around from zero? This time around, by the time I had, had gotten back to, to Bismarck, um, after all that had hit, I realized that we can't do it all ourselves. And so we, we was, it's just me and a 50% partner doing all of the work all the time. And we had tried to hire and we, you know, and, and people don't want to go drive three hours from home to do work. And so it was really a hiring decision where we started to get more help on to help us kind of expand more exponentially and, and getting the right help is the biggest thing. And that's, I've spent the last year really educating myself on, on how to hire and how to fire quickly because we made the wrong hires in the beginning and it actually, you know, it, it affects the business, obviously the bottom line and morale as well within, yeah. within your ranks. So it was really just a, comes down to, to getting the right help, getting the right people around you in order to, to keep growing and to, and to get people in their correct places. I yeah. would say people have strengths. I have my strengths. My partner has his and learning, really learning that as an entrepreneur your people are your most important asset. It's not the sales. It's not the jobs. It's not anything else. It's, it's the people that you, that you have. Yeah. hundred percent. So let's, let's use this as a transition because I love talking about good and bad decisions and, and you've given us several kind of high level things that have worked and not worked, but give us a good example of a, of a, just a terrible decision that you made 
that the that the listeners they got their pen and their paper they're ready to write these down so just what'd you do that they just should just steer clear of my biggest bad decision was uh i guess it's kind of more of a general one is, is not firing your customers fast enough okay is uh is uh we've gotten burnt quite a few times we've lost a lot of money on on taking a chance on on some newer people and not doing our due diligence, not getting deposit or, you know, something of that sort, but not, not getting rid of them fast enough because you can tell right away, especially if you're an apex guy or, or something of that sort, that if they don't line up with your core values, um, they're not, they're not a customer worth having. So that took me even before apex, I started learning those kind of lessons that you need to have the right, the right type of people, the right type of customer. Otherwise you're, you're, you're fighting fighting up river. And it's just, it never really works out well. Yeah. Yeah. And so for the guy that's, you know, listening or the gal, there's six figures and they're trying to get to the seven figure mark and they're hearing you say, go get more deals, but, but be really picky <laughs> in essence. Yeah, right? and so yeah. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a, it's a conundrum, but it's also, it's a reality. And so inside of that decision, is it just pick the ones that you like? Is it pick the ones that pay the most? Is it like you kind of mentioned core values? Like, how do I, as a guy that needs the deal, at least that feels like I need the deal, how do I how do I say no? Sometimes you can't. Sometimes when you're just getting started, you have to take everything you can get, and you just got to take you got to take the punches sometimes. And uh, as you grow and expand, you'll find that uh, you can be picky and you can be choosy. Even at that six figure level, you can still be picky and choosy because it's. I think it's most important at that level actually, because you're at a super critical mass at that point where you're either going to go way, way, way up or you're going to drop down and it's going to be tough getting back to where you were at before. And so it, it becomes more and more important as time goes on to really screw down that that structure around the work that you're going to do, the type of customer that you're going to have. Yeah. Yeah. They call it the avatar, right? Like you got to know who you're after and who's a perfect fit and you got to be able to say no uh, or not even make the offer at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes that's that's part of the case. You get there and you, you no, this is not a job I want to do, or this is not a client I want to work with. So that's huge. Okay, so let's flip the script. What about a good decision that you made that has just been like catastrophic for you, or uh, catapult? I mean, did this change the whole game? It was uh, it was investing in the structure, the equipment side of of doing the work. Is is really getting the infrastructure in the trucks and going all in. Once we had known that we had. Uh, a good idea. We had decided we were just going to push all the chips in at that point. And so we, we went and we went out and we spent, you know, uh, 40, 50, 60 grand on all the stuff instead of buying it. So it became more of a, we're producing all of the material and that saves us money. And so that it actually allowed us to grow more, do more jobs, have more, have more guys in the shop making more stuff. And so it was really going all in on ourselves at that point. Once you get to that certain point, you just have to, you have to decide like either this is it or, or you're going to go back to that desk job. And that, that just wasn't an option. You had burnt that one up, right? <laughs> oh yeah. That, for that bridge was long burnt. <laughs> That's awesome. So what I'm hearing you say in that, just a quick recap for, for the listener, you said go all in on yourself, but I also I hear you saying it's tied to big thinking. It's tied to not just go on in yourself and believe that you can do it, but believe that you can do the bigger thing because what you've been doing natural human instinct is small, like safe. Right. Um, and right yes. here, I can manage it. I can keep close eye on it. Right. Right. Going in, investing, doubling down, believing in myself, doing a shop, hiring, spending money, all that's really scary. Right. So how, like, give us a mindset there piece of like, how did you get to that place where you're just like, all right, fine, here are all the chips. Like I'm willing to let go of the chips. 
it really is like you say, uh, especially when you get into the contracting world, uh, a lot of contractors are really good at, at what they do, their trade, right? Yeah. But a lot of contractors are not good at the other side, the business side. And so you really have to educate yourself, you know, doing the, doing the reading and doing the research is, is super important. And especially if you're, you're in the business all the time, you can't do it all. There's just no way that you can. Once you get past, you know, once you get past that half a million or, or you get past, you know, three, four guys that you're hiring, um, you, you really can't be all the hats anymore. Yep. And so I find that with a lot of the contractors that I work with, their, their biggest struggle is that they're stuck in the business and they're miserable there because they yep. can't, they can't seem to, to jump out of all those roles. Yep. Yeah. So that's a mindset shift. Obviously we talk about it um, even within gathering the Kings. It's like, that's the difference between the warrior and the King stage, right? right. The warrior is stuck in, uh, in the battle, if you mm-hmm. will, bloody literally from the battle. Mm-hmm. And the king, the king is thinking about the battle and and the economy and and the that, the way things are operating on the farm ground. Like he's got all these other things he's got to think about, and um, which is at at some point, if you can step out and long enough, you start thinking about the community. You start thinking about buying your time back. You start thinking about growing my team yes. and and provide. I get more excited about opportunities that I can provide my team than Absolutely. than things that I can buy myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get excited when we hire people on that we can offer the training and uh, and the culture um, as we as we kind of expand. We've gotten more into that because people don't just come to us for a job. Um, people aren't looking for a job. They're you know they're looking for they're looking for that long term kind of career uh, place that they can be you know for the next twenty or thirty years. And we want to offer them that. So we we want them to have fun at work. Yeah, yeah. It's a team. It's a it's a it's home. It's a place where I'm going to spend a lot of time. And and the opportunity, um, the culture, you know, is is everything. So that's awesome. Um, do you have any discipline that you follow or any process that you follow around making good decisions in your business? I do. I uh, I live and die by the calendar. Um, okay. Most of the time. Okay. <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> live and die by it because uh, time blocking became very 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 important as time went on, and so I, I guess. If it's not on my calendar, it's probably not getting done that day. So yep. you, you got to really have got to have that time discipline. Otherwise, you're getting pulled all the different directions, especially uh, in entrepreneurial business. When you're just starting out, you're getting pulled everywhere. And if I had if I had done that from the very start, had a calendar, had a very set structure in my day, you know, gym, um, even down to lunch, I can imagine that many people skip eating or skip the gym or skip, you know, that personal time that you need after work. You really got to have that, have that time discipline. Yeah. And so I'm hearing you say two things, not only just to, to um, have a calendar, right? Like just, just the idea of having a calendar uh, is one thought and then using that tool to be able to then project a week or a month, as opposed to letting the weekday month happen to you you're then making it happen. And so um, whether that be with meetings, gym, stuff that you're doing for your business, like all of that, you're, you're, you're going to the calendar first, you're working it into the, to your daily structure. And so does that, I mean, obviously I kind of just hinted at like it being proactive versus reactive, but how has that played out for you since you've been doing that is what my question is. Since we started that, I have probably doubled my efficiency instead of letting that let, letting that day run me. Um, yeah, at least doubled my efficiency. And, and I'm a lot, 
lot less stressed at this point. I, I don't feel like I like I'm constantly forgetting something or right. uh, constantly have to you know have to be somewhere. So it it really helps organize your mind and it really helps tone down that stress a lot when you when you have that type of organization, that type of structure. And you know that applies in your personal and in your business. You can use it use it all over. Yep, I love it. All right, Ian, we're going to go to the speed round. I'm going to ask you some questions and I want some some quick, they don't have to be one word answers, but I want some quick, well thought out, um, short answers here on the speed round, but I, I might ask you for some more. I kind of like digging in sometimes, but first question is this, if you can only pick one metric in your business and you could only choose to track that one thing, what would it be? Boy. You know, we do, we do quite a bit, you know, you have your profit and loss and uh, you have your, your KPIs that you track. I guess that's all pretty standard stuff to me. There isn't just one I would love to track. I guess I think that it would probably be happiness. Okay. If it was, you know, like an, an abstract happiness, especially amongst sure. my employees, because I, I find that I'm, uh, I'm often the mediator when problems come up. And so if I could track that as a, as a number, that would, man, that would, Help me tremendously. <laughs> yeah. Do you find is there a correlation where um, high happiness, high high sales and profit, uh, or does it teeter one way or the other? Or? I'd say it's productivity more than anything else. Is is uh, yes, sales come with that, but the productivity when people are are happy in what they're doing, in the position that they're in, the opportunities that we're giving them that helps them, which helps me. And so, yes, it's, it's all tied together, I guess. And so ultimately, yeah, I guess the happiness, the happiness of my employees and the satisfaction of, you know, happiness of customers too. If you could, uh, if you could bottle that crap, you would be, uh, you'd be a real rich man real quick. That's right. Good. Okay. Next question is what book would you recommend for a six figure owner who's trying to get to that seven figure mark? Uh, Atomic Habits. Phenomenal book. So give us the main takeaway for, for you that you got from that book. The gist of those is, is really the persistence. I'd say that's the biggest thing is being persistent and consistent with, with everything that you're doing. Yeah. Okay. Do you intentionally network or mastermind with other entrepreneurs? I do. I'm in Apex. I am planning on joining uh, Lion's Den. We will be going to Million Dollar Mastermind. We're going to go check that thing out. Uh, that's that's the biggest thing. I, went, I just went out and saw uh, Jose Sanchez out in Colombia and uh, everything that I had just in my time there, just watching him operate uh, all the little tidbits that I gathered, even when I'm not asking questions and I really didn't ask too many, but just watching, watching someone else do work, really, I brought a lot of that home and, and really expanded on that and really, really cool. uh, doubled down on some of the stuff I learned. So that's awesome. it's very, so very important. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you said, I mean, obviously gathering the Kings, we've got, we've got groups uh, for six and seven figure owners as well. But what I'm hearing you say is, and I say that because you're like, I've done several. So give me the mindset mm -hmm. there because some guys are like, I'm, I, I do this or I'm, I'm in a contractor group or I'm in, you know, gathering the Kings or whatever. Right. But you've done multiple. Yeah. So give us the mindset there because not everybody I've had on the show has. And so what's the mindset of doing multiple or having been in multiple, even at the same time? Well, I guess, you know, the biggest thing, it probably runs around your group too. Your network is your network worth. And so the more, more people that know about what I'm doing, the more people, you know, can see that, that we're successful, they can take from us too. We can pour into their cup and we can pour into theirs, you know, so it really becomes, it really becomes important as you grow to have, to have those resources available to you as well. Uh, you, you make plenty of friends, you make plenty of business contacts and you can yeah. ask a question on one of those groups or amongst your own group. And usually you get an answer pretty quick versus, 
the alternative, which is making the mistake 25 times and having it, you, you know, cost you money or whatever it may be, you're, you're saving time. You're really accelerating your business that way. Yeah. And, and that's the main, I think that we agree on that for sure, because whether it's one of these groups, I, I love how you've, how you've diversified yourself. I've, I've heard of several of these and, and I think highly of, of several of those groups and whether someone wants to do business with one of those or, or someone else completely I haven't even mentioned. I think what you're talking about is the network and then the connections that come. And really, when you think about from an investment perspective, I was just talking to a buddy of mine this morning, good friend of mine. And it's like, when you can have one thing change in your business, that's worth 10 or 20 or a hundred thousand dollars. And now the rest of the year or whatever else you get in the group is just fun because you got that one thing and it paid for it. You know what I mean? Yep. It's tough at the six figure mark though, to, to feel that because you don't have the resources that guys like you and I do like, right. Cause we can just throw a little bit of money here and there. I want to get in different networks. I want to get in different rooms, but at the six figure mark, yeah. it's tough. It's, it's a little, it's a little nervous. Like how did you do that at that time? Whether it was a group or whether it was a coach or whether it was just reading books, like how did you bridge the gap of like, I know I need to do this, but oh, spend the money. Oh, it's hard. I held off for the longest, longest time. And uh, I'd eventually one of the guys on there had, had convinced me just, just to try it just for a little bit. And, and it gave me a good deal. And so I was like, okay, we'll just, we'll just see what this is all about. And I was pretty skeptical too. Like, you know, like, oh, come on, I got to spend, you know, however many thousands of dollars a year just to like, just to be in this group or just to be, you know, like, oh, it doesn't work. You know, that isn't going to work. And so you're real, real skeptical until you get into something like that. And it comes back around to taking a chance on yourself and taking a chance on that, that personal development side of things, because yeah. it, it becomes invaluable when you really get down to the nitty gritty of, of joining these groups or, or even just getting yourself in a local one, a local group, uh, yeah, you know, 100%. your chamber of commerce or whatever. And, and that's a good way to get started with it too, chamber of commerce or your local, your local entrepreneur groups. Yep. And you can start there and then you can get into the bigger stuff. Um, but, yeah. but it ends up being very, very invaluable being, yeah, being in, in anything. Yeah. You're just rubbing shoulders, right? It, it, you know, the biggest value I think is that you can now think differently. So yeah, you've given us so much value on that. Thank you. Um, I think that the the listener got to hear some perspective today that that not a lot of folks get to because you were, you know, it wasn't like, hey, I'm looking for a group. Like it was, you know, uh, right, they, right. they came and found you and and they had to convince you hardcore. So, which is great. I love, I love, I love that you gave it a chance. And, and it goes back to what you're saying earlier. You, it wasn't really the group, right? It was you went in on you. You went all in on mm-hmm. you. And so if you are genuinely all in on you, then then you never stop investing in you, right? right? Whether that's right. mindset or a book, atomic habits or or a group or whatever. So I think that those all things correlate. Um, all right, last question, Ian, you ready? If you lost it all, what would you do, man? Oh man, <laughs> I thought about this before. Um, if I, if I lost all and had to start over from zero, I wouldn't be so scared this time because I've learned to navigate um the paperwork side of things and 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 the relationship side of things too as long as i can keep all my relationships we're good to go as long as i know how to deal with the sba paperwork and bank paperwork sure. and financial yep. statements man yeah we could we could start over from zero tomorrow and we would be fine it wouldn't be a big deal so yep. it's it's a lot less scary going going for round two uh than it is when you have 300 bucks in your pocket and uh, you don't know how you're going to pay rent next month. You're trying to figure it out, right? <laughs> so what you're saying is that there would be a round two. Uh, there is a round two coming, actually. Uh, okay. With this business, obviously, as it gets automated, there is a round two coming. And so there's there's going to be some stuff coming down the pipeline uh, in a different state. 
that uh, should be should be good good for everybody, good for us. So that's awesome, man. Well, I'm I'm excited to hear more of that, and and uh, as our uh, relationship and friendship continues to to uh, get there. I'd love to hear more about all of that. I'm sure the listeners would as well. Have you back on the show? Um, how can someone connect with you if if they're just they're they're speaking your language? They want to connect with you, social or email, something like that. How can they connect with you? Yeah, so uh, I'm on Facebook. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me, really. Um, and right now we're working on uh, kind of developing that that personal website and stuff. That way, people can find all my links. But you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, I'm not really much of an Instagram user, really. We don't do a whole lot of that stuff up here in North Dakota. So easiest way, usually uh, Facebook Messenger. Uh, I'm pretty responsive on there. Usually I when I get a message, I'm thinking it's a service call or something of that sort. So there you go. Well, good go stuff, ahead, man. Send me a message. Ian, you've been incredible here today and you've you've shared from the heart. I really appreciate it. And I think that, um, you know, any last thoughts that you have for, for someone who's at the six-figure mark that uh, is trying to get to that seven-figure place um, that, that we haven't talked about? You know, I don't think so. I think we've gone over pretty much all the the nitty gritty of really really putting your head down and getting to getting yeah. to the next next level for sure. Good stuff, man. Well, thanks again for being on the show and uh, good luck in on all the projects, especially that new one that sounds like it's coming round two. Um, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.